Hey, would you welcome to the stage today, this are my good friends, Billy and Michelle Smith. Would you just give them a round of applause today? And they are so excited to be on stage. They called me this week and said, it's hot up here, isn't it? It's hot in here. Yeah. You said you worshiped hard. I like yeah. that. Billy and Michelle called me and said, Pastor Jason, we love being in front of people, large crowds of people. And we just, we just want to put ourselves in an awkward position right now and just... No, actually, I've asked them to come up here and share with you today because it's people like Billy and Michelle that, that to me are heroes. They both serve in our NT Kids ministry here at 1910, and we have just kind of have chosen today to kind of, kind of spotlight that area in our church because... It is so important to us here at, at 1910. So, Billy, you guys have been here now for just under two years, I guess, here at our church. And, and, and just, just so everyone knows, Billy's from Oklahoma. Woo, and so here's the, We welcome people from foreign nations here at 1910, and everybody is welcome. That right? A couple of woos out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, listen, you guys, though, t- tell us, you're serving in kids' ministry. Billy, you're in our elementary side, and Michelle, you're serving in the preschool side. So, I, I just want to ask you, tell us about that, what you do, and, and maybe why you were there. How'd you get involved? Uh, I, got, I got involved because of my wife. Um, it's been on her heart for a long time to serve, and um, initially, I didn't serve. Um, she started serving, and for three or four months, I, I didn't. Um, and after seeing her and the impact it made on her, um, that's what drove me to serve. Um, saw how impactful it was on her, and that's that's what drove me to serve. So, that's a, and you're currently doing what in kids I, I'm, ministry? I'm what a, do you? I'm a small group leader in the warehouse. Small group leader the in the warehouse. Awesome. Yeah. So that means you have a group of boys. Yes, sir. That yeah. after the message is taught, what do y'all do? We we go into small groups. I have usually anywhere from three to six kids and we, we talk about the message and, and just uh, study it and go over it. That's awesome. Now, Michelle, you're serving in a different capacity. Yeah. Tell us where you're serving and, and man, why are you doing it? Um, I serve in the two-year-olds. Um, I do it because that's where it all begins. That's our future. That's where we start. Hmm. Wait on my heart for a long time to make an impact. Um, it's also a baby fix for me. A baby fix. And so, um, it's awesome. That's where my heart laid, and that's where I decided to serve at. That's awesome. So now in that area over there, you're, you're in that room probably with that big table with the little chairs that are built into the table, They're right? Not built in. We scoot in. Scoot them in, yeah. Yes. But then y'all can just like feed the kids for like yes. two hours, right? Goldfish. Goldfish. And- do a little that, verse. We get our Bible hands out. That might increase attendance around here, Pastor Howard. If we had like like Alamo Draft House, you know, people could sit here and eat <laughs> while we're... The draft might increase attendance too. But anyway... Um, little popcorn. <laughs> it's the food aspect of it that I love. So, And how about that big baby buggy? I haven't got a chance to use the buggy You yet. haven't used the baby buggy yeah. yet? Awesome. So... That's amazing. Yeah, it's important serving in, in, in that area there. So, hey, so I know that probably as you serve with kids, ki- kids say some crazy things or there's some funny things that happen. Ha- has there been a story or a moment that kind of stands out to you, whether it's funny or just it changed you, rocked you a little bit? You know, for me, <clears throat> what, what's changed me the most is just seeing the impact that the, the ministry's had on my family and my hmm. kids in, in general. Um, we, we didn't go to church before we moved to Texas and, 
Um, they don't have churches in Oklahoma. <laughs> we were in New York. So, it's a mission field. I grew up in church. I grew it's a mission field. I grew up in church, but we Need weren't in church when we lived in there. New York. We, we moved to Texas, came Just to church. Yeah. And um, it yeah. got me all sidetracked. Um, <laughs> I told you to relax and I'd take care of you. Now I'm really sweating. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to see the impact it's had on my children and my, and my wife and my family, mm. um, you know, my kids, my daughter comes home now from camp in the city and she, she breaks out her Bible and, you know, they learn about Noah and Abraham and and David and, and all these, these characters in the Bible. And she, she breaks her Bible out and my kids pray at night. And it's just, it's given me a servant attitude mm. and, and to see the way these kids worship and the way that the kids in, in, in my, my area of the warehouse worship and pray. And that's what, that's how it's changed me. And that, wow. that's what I, you know, that's impacted me. So, so you're saying watching kids and seeing yeah. how they respond to the gospel. That, it's had an impact that's on you. Me. That's yeah. awesome. How about you, Michelle? I know working with two-year-olds, it's, it's probably always some stories and things like that happening. You know, it's just the simple things. It's when they get their little Bible hands out and when they repeat the verse that you're trying to teach them, it, it hits your heart because that's where it starts and that's what they're hearing from you. And it's I just love great that. to hear that little voice. Yeah. I don't know if you guys caught on Facebook this week, there was a video of one of our little, he's probably two. A little Nathan Brooks driving in the back of his car and mom kind of, I don't know how she was driving, but yet videoing a kid behind her. Um, but anyway, um, but Nathan. In, she had the sticker. She, yeah, she, she had the sticker on. Yeah. And it's, um, but Nathan's in his little two-year-old voice is saying, God is perfect in all his order. God's ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. Using his fingers and kind of praising the Lord. I love that. Even at two years old. It is. It's where it starts. So Absolutely. it's good to get the impact started early and for me to serve and be there. Yeah. So Bill, you said you've changed a lot. And, and by the way, thank you for your wife kind of pulling you yeah. and getting you to join the party and join the fun, right? What, what a lead, Billy. Yeah, yeah, it's, she's, uh, yeah, it's great. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, thank, thank you. Sometimes Thanks. I think things Appreciate and that. I don't mean to verbalize it, but. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, no, the, but seriously, aren't you thankful for that? I am. I'm very, very thankful. It's, um, it's given me more of a servant's attitude. Yeah. Um, it's helped me, it's helped me become a leader in, in my household and um, more of a leader, I guess. And just having that servant's attitude is paid dividends for us sure. in our relationship and, and, and relationship with my kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So why kids ministry? I know there's so many ways you guys could serve around here and you're probably doing other things as well, but, but why kids ministry? Why is that so important? Um, I have two kids of my own. I see them come out and they, you know, how much they've learned and the way it's impacted them. And I knew that I could make a difference for another kid that was yeah. in there as well as they're making for mine. Um, it was a big step outside my box and my comfort zone as well as today, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did it. It weighed on my heart for so long. I had to do something about it and, um, that's where it was and that's where it led me. And I know that it, there's more things to come from me in that area, um, and serving and in general. That's awesome. Hey, what would you say, Billy, to someone who's kind of just sitting here hearing y'all's story and they've not really thought about kids ministry or what, what would you say to that person that's just sitting here listening today and how would you encourage them to get involved? I would say that, you know, for me, she started the, led the charge and, you know, I had that reluctancy in me to, 
pulling at me not to, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. And um, I, if it's on your heart, guys, and you, you're feeling that, and God's, God's put it on your heart to serve, let go of that reluctancy, mm. you know. I would say that the, the reward definitely outweighs the risk. Mm. You know, when you see these kids praying and you see the way they worship, and, you know, last week we had a, we had a young, young girl led to Christ in, in, in the Come warehouse. Come on, so that's what I'm talking about that, right that's there. What that's it's, why that's we what it's this. about. So yeah. when, when you see those kind of things, it makes it all worth it. So just let go of the reluctancy and, and take, a, take a risk because it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. I love that. So, hey, I want you guys to know you're heroes to me. And uh, thank you guys for answering the call and stepping out of the box. And, and praise God that it's, it's, he's not only working through you, but he's working in your lives as well. So, hey, can we just show some honor to Billy and Michelle Smith? And thank you guys for what you do. You guys are awesome. Love you, buddy. Thank you. So good. Thank you, Michelle. What a joy. That's good. Look at that. Man, you got a standing ovation. That's amazing. Wow. That's so good. I, I love that story. I, I love hearing people new to our church and they're just stepping out, never done it before. And we kind of talked a little bit about that last week, about getting out of the boat and, and taking a step and just trusting the Lord. That is, that is so good. Wow. So good. Glad you guys are here today. Hey, um, speaking of kids, a, a little boy went to his uh, with his daddy to, to, to church one, one day. And, and on their way to the service, the, the two of them stopped in, in, in the atrium there uh, of, their, of their church. And, and, and the church had placed a memorial plaque on, on the wall. It, it had been installed to remember all of those members uh, of, of our armed forces who had, who had lost their lives, who had died. And, and as they're standing there that day, the, the boy asked his father, he said, Daddy, what, what are all those names on the wall? Well, son, the daddy said, these are for people who, who died in the service. And the boy took a long look at the sanctuary doors and, and he took a long look at that wall there and had this frightened look on his face. And he said, daddy, did they die in the first or second service? <laughs> Some of us probably feel like that right now, don't we? I just hope I make it through and make it home to mama's pot roast, right? Yeah. Hey, when you... What does service mean to you? I mean, when you hear that word service, what is it that comes to mind? In, in, in settings like this, we, we often use, use the word service to describe these Sunday morning gatherings, right? A worship service, a church service. But, but, but I think that, that, that maybe you would agree with me that that. that that could be a negative thing, can't it? Because we use this word service and there are so many people that can, can come to gatherings like this with, with the idea that, that the church is, is to serve them and they are not to be in service in the church. Does that make sense to you? I mean, too many people come to church not to give service, but to be served. They, they, they want the music their way. They, they, they want the pastor to say everything just right. And, and by the way, if you want to be guaranteed that I say the right thing that makes you feel good, just write a sermon for me and I'll be glad to share that on your behalf. I mean, most people just saying that most people today are filling places of worship like this, gatherings, 
all across our nation. And, and, and their objective is they just want to leave with this kind of this warm, fuzzy feeling inside, right? Well, I'm glad you're here. But, but, but I believe that there's more to us just gathering and sitting in a chair and putting on a name tag. And I'm so glad you guys did that because I was a little lost with some of your names and it was awesome. Thank you, Pastor Robert, for putting name tags out for us today. But, but church is more than us just gathering and singing a few songs and leaving with a warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, we just worshiped a pretty great God in heaven, correct? We just sang our lungs out to him. Our band did a great job in leading us to the throne. And and here's the deal. Our father in heaven is seeking true worshipers. Yes. But listen, he's looking for those who are willing to give their own lives in his service. Just as men and women sign up and and go serve our nation, maybe overseas, I believe that the Father in heaven today is looking for those who will be willing to step out like a Billy and a Michelle Smith and say, you know what, I'm here and I want to give my life to serving. I believe that the genuine, the committed believer in Christ, those who really desire to be faithful to all that God has for them, I believe that they will see himself or herself in this light. That, Lord, I want to serve you. I I want to be involved in making you famous. Well, today we continue our series, Tweet That Mess, and uh, we want to look at another one of these things that Jesus said one day that, that we believe is, is, is pretty important. It was, it's noteworthy. It's tweet-worthy. It's something that we want you to get and understand. And, but, but i got to be honest with you. When, when I read this, in, in Matthew chapter 20 is where Jesus spoke these words. He, he uses a phrase. He paints a picture this day with his disciples. And, and it just kind of really threw them for a loop. It, it, it kind of messed them up, you might say. It, what, what, what Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 20, it just doesn't make sense. And it, it probably was really, really confusing to them when he spoke it. But as Jesus was so good with, he, he, he would say things, and, but he would try to unpack it and, and, and help his audience understand it. For those of you here at 1910 that are maybe new to us, here's the deal. We, we try to keep the gospel pretty simple. That doesn't mean that we're shallow. We want it to be simple because here's the deal. When you leave here today, you know what my goal is? I want you to understand what we've said Okay, and and I want you to leave here going, you know what? I think that makes sense to me, but more importantly, I think there's something that I can apply in my life. Is that okay? I mean, you can find other places that guys just preach over your head and they preach over mine. I was at a place a couple of weeks ago. It was awesome. It was awesome, but I left there going, whoa, wow, it's good. But Jesus said things from time to time that people just like, what was that all about? And so what we want to do today is unpack this this saying, this phrase in Matthew 20, hopefully letting you understand it a little bit more. Look what it says beginning in verse 25. Matthew 20, 25 through 28 is where we're camped out today. Now the disciples here are are, are having some problems because they all want to be the top dog on Jesus' team. They want to be the best. They want to be the top ones. They want to sit in the seats of 
honor. And, and before verse 25, there's kind of this little spat has broken out. And there's a couple of brothers here kind of coming to Jesus. And, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, when you set up your kingdom, hey, here's the deal. Why don't you put my brother on one side and put my other brother on the other side, my brother Daryl. And I mean, let's just put them. We want to sit on your sides and we'll, man, we can, we can rock the world. This kind of the other disciples hear about it and this spat's kind of broken out, Brad. And really? Well, look what Jesus says beginning in verse 25 about, about greatness and about being first and, and all that. Jesus called them together and he said this. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Now, I know that this is back in the times of Jesus. This has nothing to do with us today. Nothing in the world. So just hang in there and I'll get to something really practical. The next verse, Jesus says, but among you, it will be different. And then here he goes. They're sitting on the edge of their chairs waiting to see, okay, this is it. How can I be awesome? And Jesus says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. What? Really? Oh, and then he goes on to say, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. That's exactly what every one of us would sign up for, isn't it? I want to be a servant. If I could just, oh, if my kid would just graduate from school and become a slave. Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. What we find here in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, is we see Jesus totally inverting this human idea of what position in life is really important. I mean, I'm sure that even the disciples back in the day had some sort of idea about, they probably could tell by looking at people or, or where they sat in places of worship or, or, or it was easy for them to determine who a rabbi was because a rabbi would have a group of, of students following behind them. And everybody in that culture knew that, hey, that guy out front must be pretty important. I mean, look at all these people. I mean, even then they had some sort of an understanding of maybe a pecking order or, or who was great or who held power or authority. And so here in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus kind of speaks to that and really kind of messes them up with this idea of what position is really important. He, he told his disciples here and, 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 and in Matthew chapter 20, and I believe that it's a word for all of us who ever want to be a follower of his. He's telling them to go for the highest title on earth. It's the title that he himself, Jesus, chose. It's also the title that he lived, and it's that title of servant. Servant. Hey, church, listen to me. The highest title in the kingdom of God is not chairman or pastor or president. It's servant. That's the highest title. That, that, that could be one of the greatest things ever said of you. Listen, I know all of us want to be known for so many things in life. And, and I've oftentimes thought, what will they say about me when I'm gone? Have you ever considered, man, I just, I want to be known as a servant. 
I, I, I want to be known as a slave. No. But the things that Jesus came and shared with the culture in his day and age, and, and even the things in our day, they just don't make sense in a world today, do they? <laughs> but aren't they the truth? Aren't they the truth? Jesus says that the highest title and the title that he pursued in all of his life was this of servant. Why is that important for us today? Well, hey, listen, because it's the role that your master chose. It's the role that Jesus chose. The, the, the ruler of the galaxies, the, 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 the prince of glory, the, the one who washes dirty feet chose servant. It's, it's, he's the one who, who touched those people that no one else would touch. The Jesus that we just sang to and worshiped to. And some of you, I saw you, you're getting a little happy. You bounced, you bounced. That Jesus, that God that we worship, the one who touched those no one else would touch, chose this title, servant. The one who loves those who can ruin his reputation. You think Jesus was concerned about Facebook and about what people said of him? No. Even those people that he knew would speak ill and speak ugliness. And I had a lady this morning before service said, man, I just don't know what to do. I, I tried to speak the truth and stand for what I truly believe in God's word. And, and I just made a statement. And man, I'm telling you, my legs were cut out from it. Isn't it interesting that the people that speak the truth can't speak the truth because it's offensive. But it's okay for people speaking untruth to speak untruth and it be acceptable. You know we can go somewhere with that. Jesus didn't care about his reputation. He still embraced this role of servant. Even Jesus, he knew, he knew that he would go to a cross and lay down his life for those who have no use for him. But yet he still embraced this title, a servant. You mean people that aren't going to receive me? I'm called to serve, Jesus would say, yeah. Uh, even though that, 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 that people may make fun of me and, and I might not ever receive anything in return. You're, you're telling me that, that I'm to, to, I'm just telling you what Jesus would do. You gotta make your mind up for what you're gonna do, but I'm just telling you what Jesus would do. It's who he was. And he would love those who never would love him. He would lay down, he would wash dirty feet. He would ultimately go to a cross and die for those who had no use for him. He was a servant. Now I know that it's easy to forget that we're called to be a servant, isn't it? I mean, think about your life. It's full, isn't it? You got so many demands on your schedule, your family's large and you've got demands at work and there's just so much that you have to do. And it's so easy to become self-focused just to get it all done. Maybe to get your needs met, right? Uh, maybe you're like me. It's really easy to, to develop a case of, 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 of creeping self-importance, right? That, hey, you know, I, I'm just one man. In fact, I jokingly make this statement around the office, and it's a joke, and I hope the staff knows that. But I'm like, guys, I'm just one man. I can't get it all done. I'm just doing what I can, right? And that's how some of us feel. 
But like, man, it's about us. And I'm going to take care of me and I'm going to do what I can. And, and you know, we, we can begin to think with that mentality that somehow we're stars or, or that we're heroes or, or that maybe we're above doing someone else's dirty work. When this mentality creeps in, we, we, we can think that, oh, that job's really too little for me. Do you understand who I am? Do you really know my level of education? Do you know how many letters are after my name? Do you know my pay grade? Do you know where I get to park? That's above, that's, that's below me. When this mentality slips in, we, we, we can begin to, to just disregard the needs of people around us. I mean, seriously, really? What are they ever going to do for me, right? We, we, we can have this, this, this idea of that, you know what, man, I'm just going to, somebody else can take care. I ju- We're just like that. Self-importance creeps in. And it's the, it's the opposite of, of this attitude that our Lord and Savior modeled. You know, when those attitudes creep in and when we begin to think that we're, we're above this or we're better than them or, or that's not worth our time or, or that what's in it for me, I'm telling you, at that point, we've left the blueprint of Jesus. For even though he was the mighty son of God, his agenda was never to have, say never. It was never to have others serve him, but for him to come and be a servant to others. Does that make sense? So let me ask you a question today. What's your agenda? If that was his agenda, to serve others and to make others around him better and to help them and meet their needs, what's your agenda? That hurts, doesn't it? I'm sorry, preachers aren't supposed to say anything offensive. We need to just blend in. Listen, no matter what positions you hold, no matter what recognition you receive, no matter who you are or what you do, it does not change your real title. The title, the one that Jesus gave you, the one that Jesus lived and demonstrated and modeled for us, and that title is servant of all. Here's what I believe. People might reject our gospel, and they do a pretty good job of it in our culture, would you agree? They might not like the words we share or do, but most people will still probably receive our service. <laughs> most people like to be served, don't they? Most people like to, to, to be catered to and, and have their needs met. Church, listen, there are some feet in our culture that need to be washed. There's some dirty work for us as the body of Christ to do. There are some unnoticed acts of kindness to be done. There are, oh, there are even some unlovable people that we're called to love. Can I encourage us to do something? Let's look for those assignments. Let's look for those opportunities. I think that that's kind of how Jesus operated you very seldom find him sitting where you sit today in places of, of, of worship gatherings. But what you find is Jesus is kind of, he's on a walk. And he's looking for opportunities to meet people's needs. How might our culture be different if we just started there? Hmm. And as we do that, we're going to be reminded of who we are. We're going to be reminded of what our calling is, what our title is, servant, servant. 
Why am I speaking about this today? I believe serving is the primary method God uses to form the character of Jesus in us. When we serve, our lives are being morphed into the very likeness of our Lord. For those of you that have been around here any amount of time, and for those of you that are guests, thanks for coming today. Just look around at this room. Look at this room. Isn't that awesome? Praise Jesus. For those of you that have been with us any amount of time, you, you will hear me say this time and time again. We are never more like Jesus than when we serve. We're not. That's what he did. Yes, he did speak the truth. Yes, he did in love. He loved people. And yes, he did miracles. But in all of it, he served others. And I'm telling you, if we want to emulate, which is our word for the year here at 1910, the word emulate, we want to look, think, act, be more like Jesus. If we ever want to have any hopes of being like Christ, it's going to require that we serve. Am I making sense to anybody today? You know, there are so many people throughout scripture and, and Billy, I love that, that you alluded to some of the heroes of the faith that our kids studied this week at camp in the city. Camp, we had 185 kids here this week. It was a zoo around here. It smelled like a locker room in here this week. It was, it was disgusting. I think I have a rash somewhere. I don't know, but it's, it's bad, bad. But uh, I'm telling you, I love the kids studied Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of our faith. The Bible's littered with people that, that we, we see that understood this concept, that this idea of, of I'm called to serve and meet the needs of, of others. There, there's one that stands out to me, a man by the name of Paul. Paul was a man that, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was the human that authored probably most of the New Testament that we see. Um, and, and, and I love that Paul, Paul wasn't always on fire for the Lord, was he? He wasn't always a servant of Christ. In fact, he had his name before he became Paul was Saul. Saul, and, and he was one of the greatest persecutors, one of the greatest enemies of the early church, right? And, and, and by the way, this is real quick. Can I take a time out real quick? Time out. Everybody say time out. I love what one of my buddies reminded me of in relation to this this week. Now, I just say I had a moment Friday afternoon. I was telling Pastor Howard earlier today. I had a moment Friday. I was in my office and, and just sitting there. It was quiet in there. And, and man, I just, my heart broke for our country. I cried. I still, I'm hurting. And I was just like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for what we've done. Lord, I'm so sorry for where we're at. And I just had that moment. And, and, and I tell you, God's an on-time God. I think I said that last week. And I just love, I, I saw out of all the junk coming up on Facebook and all, I, I just, a buddy of mine posted this and, and it was just a great reminder. It was an aha for me in the midst of my just heartbrokenness. I just, he said, you know what? As, as bad as it is in our culture today, it still pales in comparison to what the early church faced and the struggle and the opposition. And, and I'm not trying to make light of where we're at today as a nation. Please hear my heart. But I'm telling these people really, their lives hung in the balance. And, and I do believe that it's going to become increasingly more and more difficult for the church in these final days. Church, we need to get ready. We need to put on the full armor of the Lord and get ready for battle. Amen. But, but, but Paul was that guy. He was the guy making life miserable for the early church. 
But we know that he had a dramatic life change, a real life conversion. And by the way, when someone comes to Jesus, there ought to be a noticeable difference in them. (laughs) Rewind the tape. When someone comes to know Jesus, there ought to be a noticeable difference in them. You, You ought to be able to see life change. And I'm not talking about just changing your name. I'm talking about we ought to stand out as believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? Not all of you believe that, but just Paul had a tremendous life change. Paul, when he would write in the New Testament, oftentimes would begin his letters with a statement saying, the apostle Paul, and he would describe himself as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a bondservant. Do you introduce yourself that way? I'm a servant. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Now, we could look at that and, and, and think, gosh, why in the world would... Listen, this is not the same statement, the horrific idea or imagery of, of slavery of days gone by where, where people were, were forced to work for someone else. No, no, being a, a bondservant of Christ means serving God. And, and, and it is something that I want to do. You see what I'm saying? I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to serve the Lord. I want to. I think Billy and Michelle Smith want to serve in the house of the Lord, right? It's it's a want to. It's a a get to. You see what I'm saying? I mean, think about what is the goal of a servant? The goal of a servant is to please his master, right? To do what his master wants him to do. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. It says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul's saying? Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with what? A high price. And then here it is. So you must honor God with your body. Now let's not misunderstand. It isn't as if God has taken me against my will and has made me his slave. No, listen, I am a servant or slave by choice. I am his son. I choose to serve him. It's a privilege. It's an honor for me to be counted worthy enough to pour into the lives of boys and girls. I'm, I'm, I'm daily blown away that I get to, to be in the position I am today and, and hopefully rightly divide the truth of God and, and hopefully change, allow it to, 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 to sink into people's hearts, giving them an opportunity to change and for the Lord to bring them to a relationship with Him. That's an honor. I choose that. I choose to serve Him. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. Because He bought me with a high price, it's an honor, Jeff, to serve Him. Hmm. We, we, we talked about kids' ministry today, and I, I missed something. Can we go back to those first screens, Mike, the, the numbers? I, I have some numbers for you guys that I failed to show you today with, with kids' ministry. I, I ask our kids' team, I'm going to talk about this for just a second. In the preschool area here in our church, for it to be fully staffed, every service in our church needs 25 workers. 
to be fully staffed in a preschool. And in our elementary wing, the NT kids, it takes about 20 per service. And then their first impressions team is about 10 people. Now I'm no mathematician, but somebody told me that's 55 people. Is that right? Awesome, 55 people to be fully staffed, fully functioning, running on, on all cylinders, 55 people serving each service in kids. Do we have any kids ministry volunteers in here? Right, let me hear you a round of applause. All right, there's a good representative. Now listen, oh, not all of y'all serve, quit clapping. Now, let me share with you something alarming. You got that? In our preschool area, what percentage are op- they're operating at 50% currently? It takes 25 people to make a service happen. So today they have 12.5 people in there right now. In, in our kids area, the other wing, they're operating currently at 65%. Now listen, I, I, I don't know if you work or what you do or how often you attend school or how often you tell your spouse you love them or how bought in you are to those values. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, if any of us operated in life with these percentages, that's not very good. Unless you're a pro baseball player. That, that's really good. But, but if I showed up to work 50% of the time, how long would I work there, Ted? Not long. If, if I just said, honey, I'm committed to you 65% of this year. But the other 35 is my time and I'm just gonna do what I want to. Wow, out, yeah. Is that, but is that not alarming? There, there's another statistic as well. And I don't know if I have this, but I asked our kids pastor, Pastor Todd Weir, I said, Pastor Todd, I said, out of those people that are currently serving in kids ministry, what percentage would you say of those people that serve have no, what I would call a truly vested interest in it? Meaning they don't have kids in the ministry. You know, they, they just serve because they love Jesus and want kids to come to an understanding and saving. He said, 50% of the people that serve in our kids' ministry have no kids in our ministry. So they're, most of them are teenagers right here. And by the way, you guys need to show honor and love to this, these students because they're serving. But, or their grandparents, maybe they're a grandparent. Maybe they're just an adult who've already raised their kids and they're going, so... Now, listen, here's the deal. I am not, it is not my job to force, coerce, or do any. I'm just simply presenting the truth for what it is. 50% of the people, and we're already missing full, you know, teams. But 50% of those people that are serving don't even have kids in the ministry. Now, listen, I want to talk to parents of kids in our ministry. And I know that this is not going to make me popular with you, but here's the deal. Scripture does tell us as parents to train up a child in the way he should go. The church is uh, is a mechanism that God has established to come alongside of you as parents to help raise your kids. I know what you're saying, but Jason, listen, do you know my kids? I live with them and and I'm with them all the time. I know, maybe you should have thought about that before you had children. But for whatever reason, God thought that you could handle it. And he thought enough of you and planted the gospel of truth in you to to prepare your kids. And praise God that we do have a church that are filled with Billy and Michelle Smiths who've answered the call and serve. But I'm just, if, if parents of kids in our ministry right now, if every one of you would step up and serve, we would be fully staffed and have an abundance. Did you know that? We would. I'm telling you, parents, 
What an awesome opportunity we have to sit in there and worship with your kid, to be able to hear. It's just an incredible privilege and opportunity. Kids ministry is a big void here, but it was also one of the things. And Bill, I don't know if you, lit, we, we, it was one of the big things when we started this church that, that we thought worship and kids ministry were two areas in which we wanted to knock it out of the park. To hear a Billy Smith say, you know, I serve there because I'm getting to make an impact on future generations. I mean, think about it. You get an opportunity to share with kids. You're, you're the first glimpse, the first picture of who Jesus is in the life of a kid. You are. And, and, and if, if the parents would just step up, guys, you might not only have to serve, but once ever six to eight, maybe 12 weeks, there's more than enough to shatter those percentages. And you don't have to have a kid to serve there. I would encourage you that, hey, listen, we need some other people that have, have been there. Students, I love your hearts for kids. I know y'all do it for the goldfish and that's okay. We, we want you to be able to eat, but, but I'm telling you, man, there's more than enough in this house. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? Because I've got a big announcement. We're canceling kids ministry. No, I'm not just kidding, we're not. <laughs> Don't, no. We're gonna bring, you want them to come in here? <laughs> no, no. You're thankful for kids ministry, right? I have an announcement for you today, big announcement. August the 16th, we are adding a fourth worship service here at 1910. We currently have three and we're adding a fourth. Wow, four services, four, four services. August the 16th, we're going to four services. We are currently at 9 and 11 and 6 p.m. We're currently doing those three, right? Or for some of you, it's 9, 11, 25 and 6 p.m. So <laughs> come on, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Surely you can get out of bed. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to go to four services. Why in the world are we doing that? Well, look around right now. This is a summer attendance right here. <laughs> this is summertime. I want you to look. How many chairs are empty? Anybody know? Have we counted, Monica? What's the attendance in this room? 450 something. Yeah, we have, yeah. So, um, it's, and this is the summer months. We also know by crunching numbers and looking at our track record that in August, August the 1st, we always see an increase in 20% growth here in our church. Meaning that when volleyball and basketball and all those things start back up, we always see an influx of a 20% growth. We are currently 1,200 people on the weekends at 1910. So we could be 14 to 1,500 come August the 1st. Okay. Now we also know, we also know from our city that they're building new houses. And then over the next few years, there are 10,000 plus new residents moving in to this area that could choose to worship with us here at 1910. Folks, are you beginning to see what we see as a staff? And we've prayed about it and we're like, what can we do? Well, here's an alternative. Instead of adding four services, we could go build a bigger building. Gr gr groans and sighs. Okay, that's cool. So here's the deal. I'm going to preach four services every weekend then. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strap them on and I'm going to put eye black on. I'm going to carb up on Saturday nights and I'll preach my guts out four times a weekend, okay? But here's the deal. If we add another service, it's going to create more opportunities to serve in this house as well, right? And for some of us, it's time to get in the game. 
it's time. It's time. You've been sitting and soaking far too long. You're like, well, Jason, seriously, I still don't even know what 1910 means. That's okay. We'll help you. All right. But we're going to need people to serve in kids' ministry. I don't want to be that church that tells people, listen, we don't have enough volunteers in kids. Your kid has got to go with you. And you know that you've probably been a place like that, haven't you? Oh, really? Seriously? We're going to need people to open doors. We're going to need people to drive that cool golf cart. We're going to need parking people. We're going to need people to brew coffee. We definitely need people to brew coffee in this house. I have addiction issues and I need some help. Amen. But guys, it's going to take all of us. It is. And I think that we all, every one of you in this room have something to contribute. You do. Folks, listen, can't you serve once? Come on. You can. You can do more than one. Jason, I'm a greeter right now. Hey, would you still consider working in kids ministry? Hey, I serve on Wednesday nights and students. Praise God for that. What do you do on Sundays? Seriously. If all I did was preach, that'd be easy. But I do more than that. Right, staff? I get to. I get to. Well, listen. Here's what I'm praying. That we would not come to church to be served. I'm praying that we would follow Jesus' example. And that we would develop this attitude of serving others. Are we still friends? I, I, listen. I want to see you reach your full potential. And you heard from Billy. I didn't tell them to say this. Billy said, my home and my family are different because we serve. And I'm telling you, you're going to grow and you're going to change. And you're going to develop community with other people on your teams when you serve and give yourself away. Amen. August the 16th. Whoa! What are those service times going to be? 5.30 a.m.? Who's ready? Some of you guys raise your hand. Y'all are sick. 5.30. Um, 8.30, 10 a.m., 11.30. 8.30, 10 a.m., 11.30. Some of you like that one. I know you do because you just got here at 11.30. And 6 p.m. We'll keep the 6 p.m. 8, 30, 10, 11, 30, 6 p.m. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome to think that we get to create more opportunities. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for the reminder today that you're a God that is alive and active. You're still calling people to your great name. God, thank you for believing in us enough to entrust us this thing called the church. Lord, you want us to serve and step out and you work through us to do great and unexplainable things. God, I'm praying today for, for, for servants in this house. Lord, I'm praying today our kids' ministry is set up on the red wall. As soon as they walk out, I'm praying that people run to that table and say, how can I get involved in kids' ministry? How can I serve and help raise up future generations who will grow in the faith and continue to carry the flag of Christ? Lord, I'm praying for that. Lord, we are excited. We believe you're worth it. And we're going to continue to shout your glory and your name until you return. It's in Jesus' name that everybody in this house says, amen. amen. Woo.